Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I want to debunk the myth that you're supposed to know everything. That you're supposed to be wise enough, spiritual enough, educated enough, all the things enough to know what the next steps are, what the details are of the plan that God has for your life. That you're supposed to know how to take yourself from point A all the way to Z and dare you not know how to pr properly pronounce L-M-N-O-P. Because if you say N-O-M-N-O-P, people are looking at you like, oh, you don't have it together. You don't know what you're doing. It makes you feel inferior. It makes you feel anything outside of conqueror that you are having dominion over and was told that you have like you are supposed to duh know how to life your life and I just want to go ahead and get to the root of that particular seed and dismantle it and put it back in the pit of hell where it belongs I think that the reason why most of us don't have joy in our lives is because we have not learned to be okay with being a person just going through the human process. That we don't understand that you don't ace every single test all the time, that you don't pursue something and then boom, it's viral overnight success, that you get into that one relationship and it was the relationship that you only had and lasts forever and ever, that you only attract friends with good intentions, that everyone means to do well by you and vice versa because everyone is following the golden rule of treat people the way that you want to be treated. That there is no such thing as a waste of money, that there is no such thing as a waste of time, that there is, like we want to low-key live in Pleasantville. And we don't allow ourselves the space and the grace to simply walk it out. And as you're walking it out, be okay with that's how I'm figuring it out. Oh, dare not you go to that job and not know all the ins and outs of the promotion and the pay raises. And, oh, no, dare not you move to that city and not know anybody and do this, that, and the third. Oh, dare not you go ahead and put yourself out there and do what the human experience requires for you to do, which is take risk. Dare not you take risk because, you know, the, the safety is found in the stagnation. And more than likely, the people who want you to remain where you are are just saying, hey, keep it safe. Stay in the boat with us. Why you need to walk on the water with Jesus? No, stay keep being afraid like us. We're saying good, good, good ghosts. But you like Jesus, if that's you, like you don't speak like us no, no more. And if you get out this boat, then you're not going to be where we're located anymore. And if you go ahead and start doing some stuff that we can't do anymore, then we don't relate to each other anymore. So I would much rather you stay in the boat with me where you're tangible and I can touch you and we can talk and we can share the same fears and we can share in our sameness and our stagnation. Because if you get off this boat, then you'll become foreign to not only me, but we will become foreign to you. And a lot of the times we will sacrifice being able to walk on water because we want to stay in the boat with people we're familiar with. And sometimes that familiarity is customized and clothed and family and friends and people that we've known for a while. And the thing that nobody tells you about walking on water is that it's lonely out there, but Jesus is there. 
or we much rather tell God, listen, I don't do A, B, and C well. Why don't you send somebody else to go speak to Pharaoh, bro? It's not me. You would much rather God say, no problem. You don't have to go alone. Take Aaron with you. You would much rather God go ahead and say, mm, oh, Jonah, you don't want to go? No problem. You can. <laughs> Jonah didn't want to go somewhere, so he went where there were more people who probably would allow him not to be his best. He was in a boat with people who he didn't even serve the same God with. They were trying to figure out lots and th throwing cargo out the boat. Like, why is all this happening? Jonah was like, I, I can save y'all the the rigmarole. It God is mad. It's me. Throw me in the water. Bro, we not finna not throw you in the water. We didn't even know you. You ain't finna put that on us. Mm -mm. So let's forget. Sir, throw me in the water. Okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you. And I think that there's a message even in that. That maybe the door that God has you walking through is so narrow that you're going to have to decide who does not go with you. And not only that, you're going to have to be okay with them not going with you. Because sometimes they can't go with you simply because God said. Not because of something that they've done. Not because the kind of person that they are. Because when God told Abram, needs you to go ahead and take your wife and leave your father's house. He didn't say don't bring Lot because he's going to hold you down and, you know, he's he's negative and, you know, that ain't even your your nephew. That's your nephew. That's not even your son. No way. Your, your brother should have took care. No, it was simply like, no, no ought against Lot, but he can't go. Then when Abram decided y'all want to take him anyway, it was like, well, you're going to have to face the consequences of bringing someone along this journey that it was never customized for. This was supposed to be you and Sarai, and you bought a third party. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, it's going to get uncomfortable, and it's not going to look the exact way that God planned. So go ahead and bring him if you want to. And what happened later on, it was like, bro, we got to split <laughs> I think I erred when I brought you. I ain't going to hold you. I, I did it out of the kindness of my heart. I didn't want to leave you behind. I already know you and your pops don't rock like that. That's why I've been like the big, you know, brother slash dad in your life. And I didn't just want to leave you. Like, I just, at first, I'm, I'm leaving my father's house. I didn't want to leave you fatherless. So I thought maybe if I brought you with me that that would think, make things better. But it's never better if it wasn't a part of God's perfect will. Just because it was a good idea doesn't mean it was a God idea. And just because your good idea made you feel good, you got to go back to God like, are you in this? Yeah, uh, sometimes it doesn't look like you bring Aaron with you to Egypt because that's the same Aaron that did what? When Moses was spending time with God on the mount, they were like, uh, we don't know what time he coming back and what should we, we should be doing. So what should we do? Aaron was like, duh, let's give me all the gold. I'll, I'll make a calf out of it. Yeah, see what happens when you bring people that God never intended for you to bring? They produce things that God never intended to be produced. And Aaron was a better speaker. Aaron was literally his brother. I'm sure Moses saw all the reasons why it made perfect sense why Aaron should be there and why Aaron should be in community and why he probably felt safer having something familiar to him with him. But familiar held them back. It set them back. Because while Moses was up there spending time with God and he got the Ten Commandments and he's walking now, he broke the tablets. 
And now most of y'all got to go ahead and feel the, the wrath of like y'all created an idol. And so now it's all this consequence that has to follow just because you decided I want to bring familiar with me. No, God didn't tell you to move in with such and such. God didn't tell you to go ahead and, oh, you having that business, let me support you. You keep planting yourself in places and bringing people with you in places that God is like, I never said that. And you know what the litmus test of that is? It never produces the fruit that excels and brings you to the next level. It always conflicts with what God is trying to do. Moses is up there trying to spend more time with God, get instructions from God on how to lead millions of people. And then Aaron is down there giving them another idol God to go ahead and worship in the meantime. Whenever you bring familiar with you, it's usually going to be counterproductive to what God has for you. And most of the time you don't know that until you already brought Aaron with you. So how do you save yourself the headache of the golden calf? Ask God from the beginning, is Aaron supposed to go with me or am I trying to bring Aaron along this particular journey because I'm scared to go by myself? You have to be clear with yourself. Where is God trying to bring me and who does he want there with me? Like I told you, if I was Mary, pregnant with the Savior, first person I'm rocking with for the rest of the months is Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John the Baptist. It's like, yo, we both are experiencing something awesome. She, Elizabeth was barren. Mary knew not a man. They both pregnant. They got elite pregnancies, like pregnancies that's going to be repeated for the forever ever. It's like they should be on the Hall of Fame of, you know, labor and delivery maternity ward. Like it's a big deal. And something about that makes you want to stay close to somebody who's experiencing what you're experiencing. And you get excited and you're like, yo, let's take pictures together. Like, ooh, that's your craving too? Like, let me go through this foreign experience with someone who's experiencing with me and what you don't understand is that that was never God's plan Elizabeth didn't need to be protected to carry John the Baptist the way that Mary needed to be protected carrying the Messiah there weren't people out to kill John the Baptist in, in utero but there certainly were people who were like mm, yeah there's some hits on this baby before he's even born and so Mary had to protect her particular anointing, her particular assignment differently than Elizabeth. But you don't know that when you're trying to connect to someone in sameness and you're not realizing the assignments are different. Be very careful and cognizant of what am I trying to bring in the boat that God trying to go ahead and force me out the boat. The boat is familiar but it's foreign to what God is trying to do to you and through you in this season. And how do you know that certain people and certain things don't rock? Because when the storms of life come, those are the same people who, who get scared first and, and don't even ask God, uh, is that you? They'd rather just go ahead and sink in their fear. Those are the same people when they, they feel, mm, I don't know what to do. They just do whatever feels fleshy. You're going to build a calf. You're not even going to try to like, 
Uh, worship in the meantime like I don't know how long was he gone that it's like ah, who knows when he's going to be back like is, is that what we're doing we're just going to just fill time with anything that feels good without ever being sure if God is in the midst of that that ain't it so I truly just want to debunk anything that looks like God is trying to do something dope in you but yet you're trying to bring people along the journey, along the path that is counterproductive to that. And there's so many things about that. We, we can get lost in, well, they're a good person. Okay. But does their assignment conflict with yours? <laughs> like, I really, like, leave Aaron right there, sir. Leave Lot right there, sir. And so what do you do after that? What do you do when you're trying to figure out what the next steps are? What do you do when I feel like people get so lost in detail and familiarity and E or the above that they never just see that the plan is so simplistic. Do something. Just do something. And sometimes it requires for you to do something that is not grandiose. I don't think that God is looking at us to be like, uh, figure it out. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think that that's what God has for us to do. I think it's more of a create the space, calm the emotion, give yourself a time to say, okay, so my emotions get my attention, but they are not my leader. My emotions are the indicator on the dashboard, but it is not my GPS. So if I'm feeling something, that's step one to mm, something needs to be adjusted. I need to go ahead and move some kind of way, but I'm, I'm Marco and I'm following in the spirit and I, I got to get more clear on what the next steps are. And when I was speaking to you last time about Peter, I was like, yo, Something about that was super duper inspiring, but more so I had to go back and think about even the Israelites because I want to back up the things that I say and I'm believing and I'm like, okay, let me, I, I like to get a practical measure of what it is that I'm reading. And I wanted to read when the Israelites were probably their most frightened. It's once Pharaoh went ahead and let them go and was like, okay, y'all can go. And then he realized, ah. I made a mistake. Let me go get them back. <laughs> let me run that back Quavo. Okay. And let me go get them back. And that's scary. And I want you to put yourself in the position of the Israelites. I want to read Exodus 14. I want to start from verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough grace for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? 12. Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. 14. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pause. 
That caught my attention. The first thing that we bring to God is emotion. God, this bill, this supervisor, this da, 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 this blah, blah, blah. God is like, um, if the supervisor is an issue, start planning something. You fix your resume up? Did you submit your resume somewhere? Did you already go ahead and start planning your exit? If you feel like your supervisor is low-key, Pharaoh 2.0, what have you done outside of bringing God your emotion? Okay, the bills is looking how, you know, the bills are billing. <laughs> okay, uh, are you budgeting your particular check to the completion and the level of excellence that you know to do as a good steward? Okay, you are? Okay, so then go ahead and let God know, listen, I'm doing the best I can with the hand that I have as I plan to not be in this situation uh, permanently. Yeah, this is the last time we're getting ready to be here. I'm going to go ahead and do something different. But do something. Okay, the medical report said what it is. But you can admit you haven't been eating the way that you're supposed to be eating. Okay, so do something different. Go ahead and eat different. Go ahead and start infusing a little walk after work during your lunch break. Do something but don't just bring God your tears and your fears. And yeah, you're supposed to cast all that, but you're supposed to do something with that. Like what you doing? Where you at? Oh, you got plans. Don't say that. You see what I'm saying? Like God is like, um, yeah, I'm gonna coddle you. But if you know better, I'm gonna make you do better. Yeah. It's different when, when a three-year-old comes to you crying because I hit my knee. Oh, you didn't let me see me kiss the boo-boo. But when a, 32 year old come and say, I hit my knee. It's like, so why you, but why you wear that outfit knowing that it was raining? You was going to slip on those things. Like at some point it's like, yeah, I can't, I'm not kissing the boo-boo at 32. First of all, the boo-boo stink. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, it's not the same knee as it is at three. It's a, it, your flesh wound is, is gaggalicious. Okay. It's a lot, lot different. It's a lot going on. So I feel like, when we are in those stages of God, what to do, God, what I'm, what am I, what am I supposed to do? And, 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 and you get into this place of panic, like, yo, before you bring him your emotion, before you bring him your panic, before you didn't, did you literally say, yo, I'm giving him something to bless. I'm moving in some kind of way. I'm, I'm submitting everything that I know to submit. I'm, I'm stewarding everything that I know to steward. I'm, I'm trying to listen to everything that I feel in the spirit and not my emotions and my flesh. I am doing something. Are you giving God something? Give him something. When, when the disciples came to him and was, Jesus and was like, um, you may want to send these people back because it's not enough food for them. You know, it's like 5,000. Let me see. 50, yeah, it's a lot of them, sir. So you may want to go ahead and send them back because they need something to eat. Jesus looked at them and he was like, you feed them. Disciples was like, sir, uh, it's going to take a year's worth of wages. He was like, so then what do you have? Um, a boy's lunch, two fish, five loaves. Cool. Bring it to me. The widow with the oil came to Elisha like, sir, the debt is debting. He was like, okay, what do you want me to do? What do you have in your house? Mm, a small thing of oil, like a one for no, really. Okay. Well, um, go get some empty jars, go in the house, close the door, you and your two sons and go ahead and fill each jar to the brim. And when it's filled, set it to the side and keep doing the same thing. Pour brim, repeat, like keep doing that. And then when you're done, you know, the, yeah, sell, that pay off the debt, live off the rest. 
Do you see a pattern here? Yet you bring God the wrong thing. You bring God what you feel. You don't bring him something he can do something with. Bring him your oil. God, this is all I have. Bring him the boy's lunch. God, we, this don't look like it's going, I'm telling you right now, I done made many a fish sandwiches my whole life. I don't think that <laughs> this particular ingredients in this Batman book bag, um, it's, I don't think it's going to hit, sir. But it's not up to you to make it stretch. It's up to you to be the steward to say, this is what I have. And this is the problem that we have. Now, what do we do? You bring him the problem without telling him the oil. You bring him the problem when I let him know there's a boy's lunch. God is not asking you questions because he's trying to figure out, oh, ooh, like what can I do? He's literally reverting you back to get out of your emotions and tell me what you have. I can do something with what you have. I can't do nothing with those emotions. The only time that I saw God soothe emotion is when the angels was coming and people were like, oh, and they were like, yo, fear not. I got something to say. Okay. Listen, you, you finna have a baby. It's going to be Jesus. I ain't going to hold you. <laughs> That's the only time. Any other time, God is not like, oh, it's okay. Don't worry. Listen, ma'am, did you touch my rope? Oh, okay. Your faith made you whole. Like, let's keep it moving. Because it is counterproductive to address something that's not even the issue anyway. Drying your tears and, and making you feel good and, and comforting you. I mean, that's rocking chair flow, but we're trying to get somewhere. It's going to make you feel good in the moment, but it's not getting you anywhere. As much as I want to cradle you that, oh, I'm so sorry, your husband. And I'm sorry that the debtors are coming after the two sons. And I'm so sorry. Elisha could have did that, but he was like, so what do you have? He bypassed the whole part that was like, sir, she just said that she's without a husband. She finna be without her two boys. She got some people coming after her and it's a lot going on. You didn't address any, any of that. You wasn't like, you know what? And on behalf of what your husband did for us, I just want to go ahead and say thank you for his service and what he's done. I'm not touching any of that. What do you have? Let, like, let's get to the problem. You're bringing me the symptom. I'm, I'm getting to the root of the problem. What do you have? What can I bless? What can you do? Yeah, because oh, nine times out of ten, what I'm getting ready to um, have you do is uh, you're going to do something with what you have. Yeah, I'm not hocus-pocusing. Long art gone are the days of manna being rained from heaven. No, you want some furniture, you're going to have to chop down some trees. You want to eat, you're going to have to get some ingredients and cook. You want a job, you're going to have to go ahead, apply and in, in, in interview. You want to go ahead and get to the next level, you're going to have to go ahead and create a plan. Make a plan. Make it plain. Period. I wanted to give another example because, again, Peter's been on my heart something serious because I could not imagine following a plan for three years and the plan just literally, bloop, it's done. And you don't, you didn't have a plan B. Your plan was Jesus. So you like, uh, I left everything. I left my fishing business. I left my family. I left, I left everything to follow wholeheartedly. I put all of my eggs in one basket and now I'm here and I'm like, bro, what am I supposed to do? And I love that particular space that I can read someone being in that space because it gives a realistic inside scoop on what you should do in those particular times and how encouraged you should feel in those times. John 21 
NLT, you know I read. I'm not going to keep saying that's between you and the Lord. Okay, let's go ahead and start at, uh, I want to start at verse 3. Because that's when it literally gets to the point that it's like, yo, I can't take no more. So at this point, backdrop, Jesus is done. Calvary was did what Calvary was supposed to do. Jesus is in the midst of getting ready to descend, but he got a few loose ends that he needs to go ahead and tie up. And the disciples are sitting there like, I don't know. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I, I didn't see this coming, sir. He's been saying it for three years, but I didn't know what he was. I thought the kingdom was going to be on earth. I didn't know that he was, okay, this is wow. Okay, so fresh out of idea, sir. I ain't going to hold you. So John 21, verse 3. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come to the hill, said. So they went in the boat, but they caught nothing all night for at dawn. Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was five. He called out fellows, which means children. Have you caught any fish? No, they replied six. Then he said, throw out your net on the right hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Seven. Then the disciple Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. Eight, the other stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. Nine, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Ten, Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. Eleven, so Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. They were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Twelve, now come and have breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Thirteen, then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. Fourteen, this was the third time Jesus had appeared to disciples since he had been raised from the dead. You are literally experiencing a true life dramatization. What am I supposed to do, God? I literally do not know what the next steps are. And I love the fact that there's so much behind Peter's just saying, I'm going fishing. Because it's the way that he knew for certain I can go ahead and at least feed myself. I can go ahead and make a little bit of money and try to get back on track. But not only that, that's the very same place that he found Jesus. So nine times out of ten, when you are clueless on what to do, go back to the place that you first heard God in the first place in that area. You don't know what to do with this particular set of funds. Go back to what God told you before you didn't have the funds. You don't know what to do in that particular job or that school assignment or whatever it is major that you're trying to decide on. Go ahead and go back to the very first time that you heard God speak to you in that area. Because the first time that God, Jesus walked up to Peter and was like, um, follow me. He was fishing. So imagine being in a place that you like, what am I supposed to do without him? Go to the first place you saw him. 
Go to the confirmed location, the confirmed thought, the confirmed area that you would like without a shadow of a doubt. I know that this is the last time before this feeling came along, before any of these other things came along. This is the last place that I know for sure that this is where he found me. So you know what? I'm going back to that. Out of all the places, Peter could have went ahead and said, you know what? I'm going back to the place that we used to pray the most. I'm going back to the place that I saw him do some of the miracles. I'm going back to the place that I saw that, you know, he, he did one of the first couple of miracles. I'm going back to the place. And no, he didn't go back to any of those physical places. He went back to the place that God, you know what you found me here before. And if I'm clueless on where to go next, you'll find me here again. Because here's the thing. Some people want you to feel like you're supposed to know every step. Some people want you to feel like, or even you beating yourself up on like, yo, I got myself to this point. I'm supposed to, you at least knew to follow him, but you don't know what to do after there's nothing else to follow. Like, what do I do? And the beauty of it is, is that Jesus found him again. Jesus found him again. Don't, don't overlook the fact that, yo, he was sitting there and he didn't catch nothing all night. Yeah. You got to keep reading at dawn. (laughs) Once there was some light. Guess who found him again? Jesus came to him. He didn't have to stay on the boat and cry about it. He didn't have to say, God, you, where are you? Have thou forsaketh me? He didn't have to do all that. He just was at the place that he knew Jesus found me here before he'll find me again. You got to get to the place that you know, like, yo, that financial situation happened before God's going to go ahead and, and fix it again. That health issue may have, I'm not the first person that's experiencing this. So God's going to go ahead and do it again. There is something about God doing what he always does that you just got to have faith in it so what you're going to do is just sit in the places that you know that you hear God Peter heard God say yo follow me (laughs) you want to go ahead and be a part of something something great a ministry that's going to be kind of dope cool leave what you're doing come do what I'm doing follow me and he did it consistently three years I ain't never read that he had to do fishing or anything else to that degree. He probably was feeling a little bit shabby. Like, I don't even know if I still got it. So imagine feeling confident walking with your Savior for three years. And then the first time that you go back to doing something that you were once successful at, you don't catch nothing. I wish to goodness the Bible could have went ahead and said he caught nothing all night, just like how he did with his second year of business. Then it would have made sense. But it's like, yo, blow after blow, bruh. He don't got no savior. Big homie is gone. He Calvary, you know, he did what Calvary is supposed to be doing. Big homie is gone. He's going back trying to make, trying to pick up the pieces and make a living the way that he used to make a living. He ain't catching nothing there. Bro, you talk about despair? (laughs) Like losing on both ends. Double-edged sword, if you will. But what the Bishop Hammond said, late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around and around and around and around and around and around. Come on. You you understand? Listen, he is not going to make you see no L to that degree. You think God's just going to leave you like he, like you an orphan. You know how big he looks at his kids. Like you bugging. He ain't that kind of dad. You think he going to have you go back to what you are great at and then make you feel like you ain't good at nothing. You, this is the same Peter that was like, I don't know no Jesus and the rooster crowed three times. So I know he was carrying guilt from that. So then he tried to go ahead and probably 
probably boost himself up in the emotions and say, well, I'm going to go back where, where I'm good at. And then you go do that and you don't catch nothing all night. You talking about a blow to the emotion. You talking about a blow to progress. You talking about somebody who feels like, yo, am I good at anything? Oh, I'm sure the emotions was going wild. I'm sure the enemy was having a field day. But guess what? In the morning at dawn, guess who found him? Guess who blessed him? Guess who turned his whole situation around? I know you probably feeling some kind of way, but guess what? I want you to feel confident in what you are able to do. You have abilities that are still there. No, you are not less than because you aired when the rooster crowed three times. There is something still in you. I called you first for a reason. You are the cornerstone of the church. You better get yourself together. And now that you on shore and you see what I can do, go back to go receive what I gave to you because I will never leave you empty handed. I will never leave you or forsake you. Don't you ever let the enemy make you feel that way. I know it what it looks like, but you don't even understand that dawn is on the way. Dawn is on the way. Yeah, it feels like this right now. Yeah, the money ain't moneying right now. Yeah, the supervisor's supervising right now. Yeah, it's starting to feel real tight and you like, bruh, if you can go ahead and give me a little bit of air pocket, it will feel better. But you know what? You better ebb and flow. You better adjust. Go back to where you heard him. Go back to where you can hear him. Hush your emotions. If you got to sit there all night just to go ahead and get some peace, just to clear your mind, it's okay. But expect God in the morning. Expect God when the daylight comes expect Jesus at dawn there are some things that are just waiting for you to just stay all night I'm glad that Peter didn't say yo it was an hour I'm getting ready to go I'm glad that he didn't say you know what this don't make no sense it's like at this point I'm gonna go down and I'm gonna go fishing I'm, I'm gonna just deep dive and go get it and they gotta be here somewhere I refuse to believe that there's nothing here but to stay positioned to stay prepared to stay in faith takes a lot of courage even if it means that you gotta stay out there a little bit longer than the average person that you got to stay there in a state that looks like why are you even prepared to pull out fish and you ain't catching nothing you might as well stop putting back your clothes on you might as well go ahead and pull the net back up but it's something about I'm not moving until I get instruction because I didn't come out here to catch nothing he didn't even know who the person was on the other side of the shore saying yo did you catch something I would have been aggy emotional feeling some kind of way not catching nothing, Savior's not here. The last thing I want you to do is be asking me the obvious. Did I catch something? Buddy, leave me alone. Sir, mind your business. <laughs> but he didn't even have the audacity or probably the capacity to even say anything else, but no. No. That's all he had the energy to say. That's the emotional space he was in. That's all he can conjure up. Just no. I don't even know who you are. I'm just, no, I'm sure, I'm sure he probably didn't even look up. No, I'm sure he probably didn't even look at the net. He didn't feel nothing tugged. So no, you didn't. Okay. Throw your net out on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. Jesus is so good. He knew that he had to add, you'll get some. Cause just saying what was before the comma would have sounded like throw out your net on the right side of the boat. You don't know that Peter got a temper, sir. This is the same man that took a sword in, in um somebody's ear. Like, yeah, he, he made it a situation. You may not want to talk to him when he's emotional. You may not want to talk to him when he's in despair. You may not want to talk to him when he's hangry. You don't know Peter. 
Jesus was like, yes, I do. That's why I'm going to tell him something after the comma. So it's going to read like, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't couldn't haul in the net because there was so many fish in it. That means that it was an expeditious, get this, it was an expeditious turnaround. That means that they didn't delay on the instruction. So God didn't delay in the gratification. He didn't delay in the promise. He didn't delay in the answer. It was like, if you're going to be quick to answer, you're going to be quick to receive it. In the name of Jesus, I pray that anything that is trying to distract you to believe that there should be a waiting period period before you do that you need to get a little bit more confirmation before you go ahead I need you to go ahead and whoever it comes from wherever you feel God wherever you can get the information from I don't care if it even sounds like it makes sense what do you mean on the right side I've been on the left side this whole entire night this is not a different ocean it's not making any sense don't even filter through it I need you to expeditiously before you even have time to go ahead and filter through I need you to be obedient quickly the Bible says that when David ran up to Goliath that he quickly ran across he didn't give himself any time to filter through but he is nine feet tall he has all this armor on how am I going to get this stone and his slingshot to do what it needs to be doing how do I go ahead and no 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 time to filter I need you to quickly go ahead and apply so that you can quickly go ahead and receive what is my challenge to you my challenge to you is everything that I said like, listen, Holy Spirit was everywhere. And I, and I felt it in the conversation. At certain points, we were like, mm, that was for me. So to let it be for you. But the bottom line of it all, do something. Give God something to bless. Don't stay stuck. Don't keep bringing familiar with you. Don't keep listening to your emotions. Don't keep making yourself feel like I can't win with this hand. Make the jack walk. Make a book. Make it make sense until God gives you another hand. That's just it. You got to play your hand as you're preparing for everything else while you're putting out nets in other places, while you're receiving other jars. Like, yo, until you can go ahead and, and play another hand, until God gives you another set of given equations and, and variables, until he gives you something else, you got to play what you currently have to the best of your ability. You literally have to maximize what's in your hand now until God gives you something else to add to the equation period it is not your job to go ahead and and plan with the hand that you have now with the for the future that you want later it don't rock like that if this is your budget now then you got to go ahead and play with maximize the budget now but we're not going to budget because you want to be out of debt this particular time frame and now you've crunched your budget to the point that you can't even breathe it's like listen slowly but surely but prepare not to be in this particular tax bracket for long prepare to be out of this situation but we're going to listen if right now all you can put is 20 30 dollars to that then that's all you can do until God gives you something different. But what we're not going to do is frustrate ourselves because our hand don't look different. Play your hand until God gives you something else to play with. Do you understand? Do what needs to be done now. And then when you get something else, do what needs to be done then. And when you get something else, do what needs to be done at that time. And you keep ebbing and you keep flowing. But what we're not going to do is try to be investing and doing all kinds of things. And our hand doesn't call for that right now. What, what we're not going to do is keep sacrificing in certain areas and feeling the tightness thereof. And we can't really do that right now. So what you're going to do is say, I, when I get to a place that I can do A, B, and C, I'm definitely going to do that. And I'm planning my way to get there. But right 
right now, this is my hand. And so I'm going to go ahead and do something so that God can bless it. So I don't have to keep playing in this particular hand because this hand feels like scarcity. This hand feels like yikes. And I don't want to keep feeling that. And so because I understand that I can't do the most with what I would like to do, that I'm going to maximize with the hand I have currently. The end. The end. Don't make things tighter for yourself than it needs to be. Don't make it, things feel like it's choking you. Don't like, yo, do, but do something. You got oil. Bring that to God. Do something with it. You got two fish, five loaves. Bring that to God. <laughs> but do something. You see what I'm saying? Like it, it's something that can be blessed. It's a mindset, a perspective, a, a something that can be blessed, but it's in your hand. You got to get it to God's it's in your possession. You got to plan it out. It's in your particular hand for a reason. Do something with it. Man, there's so many thoughts going on in my, I, I have so many, it, so many different things that I want to say, but what keeps coming back out is ebb and flow with God, plan your way out the pit, play your hand the best that you can play your hand. And then when you finally get what it is that you are waiting to get, do something so God can bless it. Literally, I don't have nothing else for you. Listen, um, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm -hmm. You know what these conversations are, right? They are life-provoking conversations, conversations not, not the average person is going to have with you, but who, your favorite homegirl. Uh, Patreon. Mm -hmm. Shrive, the letter N, inspire.com. Like, yo, all the things encouraging. Created to multiply.com. All the things encouraging. Because why? I'm doing something. <laughs> I'm putting out the encouragement. I'm putting out the jars. I got the oil. I just need more vessels and more delivery systems and more ways to get it out. Because anybody who wants to be encouraged, God can trust that I'm going to do it. And so what am I doing? I'm doing something. Period. So I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. Okay. We'll talk later. Mm -hmm. Later. <laughs>